Hey, hey, it's Coach Dr. Kim. I started this journey after having a stroke at the age of 36 years old. Since that time, I have moved forward with helping people live their best life, and I haven't turned back. This show is about learning to be present, open, and intentional in every area of your life. Keep listening to hear what I've been thinking, and be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Last week on the show, we talked about living your legacy, and I got some great feedback about the show. Thank you for everyone who engaged and connected around that. It was rich and fulfilling to have those discussions. This week, I want to talk about something that's somewhat related, but a much different extension of living your legacy, and I want to talk about peeling back another layer of unconscious bias and looking at whose story are you telling. I was fortunate enough to be a part of a session in which there was some lively discussion. And in this session, I was confronted with this question that I want to bring to you. Have you ever sat in a meeting and felt like you were being sucked into a time warp or felt like the walls were collapsing in on you? Because that's exactly how I felt in that space and place. It had been a long time since I felt like that. And I couldn't identify the cause of it for a moment. And then it hit me. People were using words like lowering the standard, going backwards in time, This will be counterproductive. It will not benefit the quality or the caliber of what we're trying to accomplish. And they were stating it in reference to changing standards that, to my mind, would open and expand access to programs. The issue that I had was Unconscious bias can be concealed in using words that seek to maintain the status quo. And maintaining the status quo is another way of keeping things the same as they are. And keeping things the same as they are now prevents us from opening doors to groups that do not have access because of historical and structurally oppressive systems. So that led me to think, when there is an overwhelming fear to change or try something new, don't we have to ask ourselves, is this a real fear or is this something that we learned? And if it's learned, there's some unlearning that needs to take place. The conversation in these meetings often circles around, what if this happens? What if that happens? And those what ifs takes us far into the extremes. I agree, these conversations are necessary and they allow for groups to hear each other out. Yet, the necessary conversations can and often do become counterproductive when they stay in the extremes. And it is hopeful and helpful if someone is able to bring the group back to the middle. So the question is, how do you bring folks back to the middle when they have gone off the rails?
And that's what I've been thinking. And that's what I want to talk about. One way to bring folks back to the middle is to simply interject. I am known for this approach. It, however, may not always be welcome. There are times when you may raise your hand, either in person or the proverbial click of the button in virtual spaces. And then you give voice to your concerns. Interestingly, I've done this and then my concern has been glazed over, passed over without comment. I did not know how to respond in that instance in all transparency. What did happen though is it disrupted the status quo. It disrupted the storytelling that was occurring in the meeting in which persons were co-opting the experiences of others that they themselves may not have had because one could not truly live the life of another. And so in doing that, allies came out of their shell and began to speak up about their concerns of the proposals that were being laid on the table. And then a realization happened. As the allies began to speak, And as I found my own voice, I became very aware that the issue that I was having with the discussion, the thing that I could not identify was that the reason folks were not able to move beyond the proposal to solutions is that they were editing the story by inserting their own personal bias to the narrative. They were no longer confronting the issue with facts, but with beliefs that they had either witnessed or superimposed on others' experiences. Let me give you an example. Let's say you see a student in college that has two jobs, goes to school full-time, and has a family there is an assumption that they are not able to do all of those things. And you would make policies and procedures that states students cannot go to school full-time and have a full-time job. And you're doing that in their best interest because you don't think students should work full-time and go to school full-time. In doing that, What really may happen downstream is that students who have to work full-time in order to pay for school are not able to apply to that program. So students who have socioeconomic concerns, who are living in poverty, etc., are no longer able to get that degree or certificate. Therein, you have limited access to that program because the program has made the decision that those students are not able to handle that level or intensity of workload, quote, stress. I get it. Folks are trying to look out for other folks. Yet and still, making assumptions about people's support networks, about their capacity to withstand physiologic or psychological stress, making assumptions about 
how these programs should be built without considering the different innovative ways that they can be done instead of continuing to do them in the ways of old is not necessarily the path forward. If we're going to walk the walk and talk the talk of inclusion, then let's do that. Let's continue to stretch ourselves and peel back more layers of unconscious bias. Although well-intended, narrating the story for others will prevent us from doing so. The conversation of the what-ifs into the extremes needs to include the people that we are making the policies for so that they can tell their own story, so that they can inform the bodies developing the policies, the processes and the programs, what it is that they, whoever they are, are able to have a voice in what they are able to handle or put forth because it is quite possible that it may be light work to them considering all the work that they've been doing thus far to achieve all that they have achieved throughout their life considering the numerous barriers and obstacles in society currently. So I still haven't told you how. How do we get back to the middle? Allyship was the hint. And so in doing that, what does that really mean? We can become a sponsor for someone. That means championing someone from an underrepresented community. And I know your mind might have just went to race. That may be the case. It doesn't always have to be. A woman can champion a man in a space where men are not typically represented or welcomed and has a point of view or perspective to bring. Calling out inappropriate behavior. People in privileged positions can call out unacceptable behavior towards people that are underrepresented because that underrepresented person may not feel like they can do that. They may feel like they will have backlash in doing so. And so as the person who is privileged, step up, say something. That happened in my case and has happened many times before. Get involved in activities related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Be aware of the terminology that you're using that make it more inclusive. My daughter just recently went to a training for acting, a workshop, and the facilitator asked everyone to introduce themselves, their name, something about themselves unique, and their pronouns. And that was a way of setting the stage for letting everyone know it was a welcoming space. Employers, you can have training and workshops to continue to grow people and their knowledge. Going beyond training is the goal. However, keep that in mind. And then for yourself personally, take a pause. Recognize your personal space and place and the role that you have in creating an inclusive space for others. And for goodness sakes, 
if someone shares their voice, their concern, their opinion, you don't necessarily have to agree. It would be great if you would acknowledge that you heard them. And that is a good place to start for inclusion, at least for me, brushing over what I've said, because what I said took some courage, especially among folks that I don't know or that I am feeling or know that I am the underrepresented one. And with that, I just want to say, beware of writing someone else's story. Beware of telling someone else's story and instead invite them to tell their own so that we continue to peel back the layers on unconscious bias, mitigate unconscious bias, and create inclusive spaces and expand access for everyone. And that's what I've been thinking. To schedule a session with Kim, visit www.kimrages.com where you can learn more about her. You can also book a free life coaching consultation. Find the link to her book, Meeting Just Fine, A Life-Changing Encounter, available on Amazon.com. View her TED Style talk and download useful resources. Tune in next week for more I've Been Thinking, Cam's Coaching.